The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. So I, you might want to, uh, when you get the email tomorrow, take a look at the document that some community members, Nancy Vivian and Robin Blake, who's here tonight, and I and others have worked on where we've taken the 16 instructions that hopefully a lot of you might even want to memorize these 16 instructions for the Buddha. And it's really just a path of happiness, the happiness of seclusion, that's the first four instructions, the happiness of dispassion, the happiness of cessation, and we'll be learning all about this in the next eight weeks, and then the happiness of liberation. So the Buddha laid out this path, and it, you know, a lot, of th- a lot of times maybe you thought by signing up for this class, you think, oh, I'm a bad meditator, maybe I'll go back and take a class on mindfulness of breathing, and, uh, but it's actually the advanced class, right? Because nowhere in the instructions does the Buddha say anything about working with hindrances or distraction. It just presumes you already know that. And I'll mention, you know, the Satipatthana, which a lot of us have wrongly thought were the Buddhist teachings on, you know, how, or how to be mindful. It's really those, that's not what we're doing in this course. We're doing Anapanasati, the Buddhist instructions for mindfulness of breathing. But the mindfulness discourse, the famous Satipatthana Sutta discourse, it's really about the Buddha's instructions for how like, how to find mindfulness, how to uncover it. It's really more about the shift in view that from like a worldly view where we're thinking about things to a mindful, a way of being mindful, actually <coughs> being aware, being mindfully aware. And the mindfulness of breathing instructions are more about well, when you are mindful, what should you do with it? That's really what we'll be doing for the summer course. Right? Now I know, because I'm like you, you know, I don't always have mindfulness. Right? A lot of the times my mind is distracted. And so I'll spend a little time tonight talking about how to work with the hindrances, how to work with distractedness, but you see, right off from the bat, the, per, the Buddha presumes the mind knows how to be mindful, right? Establish mindfulness to the fore. That's the first instruction. And then to take that mindfulness to the fore, that value of, oh yeah, it's like this now. This is being known. And to apply that present moment awareness to the natural movement of the breath, and the body, right? And to track it enough so the mind is able to comprehend, oh yeah, that's a shorter breath, that's a longer breath. But not without, not with you thinking. You're not like having those thoughts in your mind. You're just sensitive, tracking each breath, each in and out breath, so that the mind wouldn't be missing. Oh yeah, was that long or short? What kind of breath was that? No, because awareness was there. 
and then awareness is here and awareness is here. So that's the whole point. That's what builds the seclusion. And there's this is sort of the you know the basic ingredient in this word we use samadhi is this this particular mental muscle being able to seclude attention. Otherwise, the mind tends to be dissipated, right? Because there's so many different things pushing, getting pushed and pulled by the different objects that come and go and the mind's thoughts about the particular objects. And this is actually what we mean by sensuality. You know, like when you hear that word in a Buddhist context, you might think, oh, the wood's so smooth and the color black is so black and, you know, the skin is so warm and sort of this indulging. But it's a lot, a lot of our sensuality is thoughts about sensual experiences. We may be still thinking about lunch, right? It's mental activity, but it's mental activity surrounding sensuality. And it's easy to turn mindfulness of breathing into this sort of indulging in the sensuality of breath. But it's not actually so much about the particular sensation of breath. As I mentioned, that's more of a skillful means to cultivate this present moment awareness. Right? It's really about the secluding the mind from indulging in sensuality. Having sense experience and thinking about sense experience. Reacting to sense experience. That's the basic unseen obsession of our mind. That's what we call ordinary consciousness. So it doesn't stand out. So when the Buddha says sensuality, he's just talking about our ordinary mind. Because we're and remember, sensuality includes all of our worldly experience. So there's, you know, that's why it's the way that it is. And when we're aware, when we're mindfully aware, we're in a different place. The mind is in a different realm, a different activity than sensuality. But when the mind is aware that breathing in is like this, there's really no... Because the, the present moment is so fluid, there's no space, literally no space in the mind to indulge. Not that we'd be likely to want to indulge in the particular sensual, sensual experience of that part of the in-breath or that out-breath, right? It's not that you know, engaging or interesting. Have you had like a breath that you wanted to like put on your mantle. That was an amazing in-breath. <laughs> I'll never forget that in-breath. Compare notes with your friends. Yeah, you thought that was a good in-breath. Let me tell you about my in-breath. Because in-breaths aren't important to us or out-breaths. They're just, you know, they're just what they are. But what's important is the seclusion Right, So all that there is is the mind being aware that this is being known. And it's so tracking that with such uh, good continuity that there's no room in the mind for proliferation 
even this is a boring in-breath or an average in-breath, right? There's, so that's what I mean. Like you don't need to have an opinion and you don't need a different in or out breath than the one that's being known because it isn't about the kind of breath. You know, there are some things you will learn along the way about your posture and how that affects your breathing. And, you know, if you've really been lost in thought for a while, it can be helpful to take a longer, deeper breath in and out as a kind of reset. But when you're in the groove of present moment awareness, there's really this very clear sense of not controlling. Because the control would be the mind in the world of sensuality. You know, having thoughts and reactions to sense experience. Being identified and reacting to sense experience. Present moment awareness is not that. It's something else. And it feels different. It will very quickly, within seconds, you'll be able to notice that flavor of seclusion. Let's just learn to use that word because it's a traditional Buddhist phrase. And... It's, it really represents this change of allegiance from a mind that mostly is dependent on ordinary sense pleasure, the, gratif- you know, the gratification we experience when we get what we want or get rid of what we don't want. We have an itch, we scratch it, the itch goes away. There's a little gratification. It feels good. And we kind of feed on those sense pleasures. That's kind of normal for human beings. But with the experience of seclusion, it's like we're in the realm of a different kind of pleasure. Now this pleasure we call the pleasure of seclusion. It's like the pleasantness of a mind that's not being pushed around by its likes and dislikes. Because instead of being pushed around by its likes and dislikes, or following its likes and dislikes, the stressful following of our likes and dislikes. Instead of that, the mind is being aware this is being known. This is being known. It's like this now. And it's so devoted, so committed, so loyal to present moment awareness that it, in a sense, has squeezed out the normal activity of the mind, which is to indulge in sensuality like This is boring, can't wait till I get home. That's indulging in sensuality, right? Because there's some awareness of what it's like and an immediate opinion about it and an immediate speculation about some other sense experience, being home on the couch or whatever it might be. And the mind, you know, because it's the habit, will always fall, fall into indulging in sensuality. It's like, you know, what's that phrase about a glove? Fits like a glove. Seems so natural. So it's this initial part, you know, we'll spend three weeks on the first four instructions. The Buddha inviting us, asking us to set, establish mindfulness to the four to remember, oh yeah, I am interested in mindfulness. I do, if for no other reason than, you know, in Buddhism we've been beating this drum and so you're wondering what all that noise is about, you know. 
But for even so, if it's just borrowed faith, that's okay. We have to start somewhere. Maybe you've had some experiences with mindfulness. Uh, I remember, uh, I think it's okay to share the story about when, when you're in college with the orange juice. But it's just a, a nice example where people bump into really life-transforming experiences with mindfulness. And uh, my partner, Wynn, co-founder of Common Ground, who, by the way, will be one of the folks leading the group next week when I'm out of town, along with Shelley Graf and Gabe Keller-Flores and Ramesh Sairam. But anyway, uh, when Wynn was in college, uh, someone just had she was having breakfast with in the student dining hall just casually mentioned that they had read somewhere that, uh, you know, there's, I don't know if you remember this, in some of the health circles, like you're supposed to chew your juice, you know, like to kind of mix your saliva in with the juice before you swallow, you know. And somehow that conversation led to somehow about being aware, being mindfully aware. And it triggered something in Wynne's mind and her mind sort of shifted from the normal mode of being in sensuality, indulging in sensuality, having thoughts about sense experience, to being mindful. And it was like an altered state. And it sort of persisted for a while. And this is not, I mean, we don't often know what the experience is, so we dismiss it, you know. But you might remember your own version of an experience where you shifted into this very simple and profound Simple, profound, present moment awareness. And it isn't about chewing your juice or walking away from the table or picking up your backpack and putting it around your shoulders or whatever it is. It isn't about the experience. Like you might have had it in a really beautiful, natural setting, taking a walk in the woods or something or having some other sort of unique experience. But it turns out that it's never actually about that experience. It's about the quality of the mind that's there in the experience. It's a mind that's not indulging in sensuality, not dependent on it, not attached. It's a mind that is instead, it's the alternative because these two activities can't coexist in the mind at the same time. A mind can't be both indulging in sensuality, having opinions about sense experience, reacting to the opinions, speculating about sense experience, and be mindful at the same time. So when you have some moments of mindfulness, there is an absence of this indulging, this dependency. And that absence is experienced as the happiness of seclusion. And it has all kinds of flavors to it, a sense of wholeness, you'll see as you look at the four instructions, so the first one you've heard me say, establish mindfulness to the four. The second one is tracking the the breath coming in and out well enough to notice whether the in-breath is long or short or the out-breath is long or short. It's not about controlling the breath, although, you know, different people have different opinions on how to interpret the Buddhist instructions. I mean, the the technical defini- uh, translation rather is breathing in long, one knows I'm breathing in long. Breathing in short, one knows I'm breathing in short. 
Breathing out long, one knows I'm breathing out long. Breathing out short, one knows I'm breathing out short. Right? But my understanding is the Buddha wants enough intimacy, enough non-distraction. Right? It's really like crossing over a threshold of non-distraction. How do you know you're not distracted? You should be able to notice whether that was a relatively long or short breath. If you're really there knowing, oh yeah, this is being known, this is being known, you're going to know whether that was you know, a little longer, or a little shorter, or a little rougher, or a little smoother of an in-breath, or whatever the experience is. Breathing is just a very convenient and useful tool for developing the continuity of present moment awareness, and that's what we'll be emphasizing. But you'll see very soon, by the end of the fourth instruction out of 16, breath is in the background, and other things come into the foreground of attention as the mind continues to track present moment awareness. Other things just become relevant as the sort of predominant experience in the present moment. But we never really, because one of the things we learn by the third instruction, right? so the first one, establishing mindfulness to the fore, remembering this value, this is what this is about, right? Mindfulness, present moment awareness. Simple definition, remembering to recognize the present moment. That's what mindfulness is. It's a remembering to recognize the present moment or remembering that it's like this now. That's what it is. And then let's really uh, strengthen that by being present with enough continuity and absence of distractedness to notice whether the breath is long or short, the in-breath or out-breath is long or short. That's the second. And then the third instruction, and uh, the team next week, we'll review these four instructions. So like I said, we'll, we'll just work with these first four instructions for at least the first three weeks of the class. So the third instruction is one trains oneself. So that's a shift. It's the first time the Buddha is saying that at the beginning of the instruction. So the first part, you're not training. It doesn't involve a lot of intentional action. It's really just a shift of what the mind is paying attention to the mental activity of indulging in sensuality or the mental activity of this is being known. So it's really just a shift in objects. And then once there's that shift in objects and you can, you've got enough continuity that you're comprehending like, oh yeah, that was a short breath or that was a long out breath or short in breath, long out, long out breath. There's just enough presence absence of distractedness to be able to comprehend the particular dance of the present moment, right? Then the third instruction is one trains oneself. So you're intending now, as you breathe in or as you breathe out, to be sensitive to the whole body. Or as this is Gil Fransdahl's translation, breathing in, I experience the whole body. Breathing out, I experience the whole body. And Venerable Analio says, experiencing the whole body. Breathing in, experiencing the whole body. Breathing out, experiencing the whole body. Right. So now, in instruction two, 
we were cultivating a very exclusive attention, right? We're really like just remembering to be aware of the in-breath, remembering to be aware of the out-breath, remembering to be aware of the in-breath. And by doing that so fully with so much sincere commitment and relaxed, because you can't do it when you're tight, the tightness gets in the way. Trying too hard gets in the way. You start feeling a lot of pressure. Like, like one telltale sign you're trying too hard is your eyes will imagine that you need to look at your nose or your whatever, your imagined breath somewhere here in order to be aware of it. But we don't, doesn't involve any of these muscles up here by the eyes. <laughs> but it will seem that because that's how we focus. You know, we're so visually oriented as human beings that when we're concentrating or focusing, it often has a visual flavor to it. So relax. One of the things uh, Venerable Analio says, it's like you're leaning up against the post, the post being the present moment. You can just lean up against it. Just be remembering that, yeah, I'm, I'm here in the present moment. This is what's being known in the present moment. Where we're remembering to recognize the present moment. We're not actually knowing the present moment because the knowing is effortless. Awareness, right, you don't have to do the knowing or do the awareness. The awareness is there, but we do, in a sense, have to remember that awareness is here. And awareness being here, it can know the in-breath or the out-breath. So that's why that image of just leaning up against the present moment might be helpful for some of you. Because there's a very, for um, probably more than 50% of the people, I mean, it partly depends on personality type, but there's a strong tendency to over-effort just as much as under effort, and they tend to feed into each other. We over effort and get frustrated, and then we give up and we under effort. We don't make any effort, and we just go back to indulging in sensuality. Your friends will find that interesting when they ask, What are you doing? Oh, um, just the usual, indulging in sensuality. <laughs> They'll know something's up. So the third instruction is one trains oneself, breathing in, experience the whole body. I experience the whole body. Breathing out, I experience or experiencing the whole body. I kind of like Venerable Analios. It makes it more active to say experiencing the whole body. And it will be nice, like I mentioned, to memorize these so you can remind yourself. What am I doing? Oh, yeah. Breathing in, I'm on the third. I'm training on the third step. Breathing in, experiencing the whole body. Breathing out, experiencing the whole body. And so now we're going from the exclusive where we're really tracking more specifically the particular flavor of the in-breath, the particular flavor of the out-breath to really develop the first taste of seclusion. The mind really, because of its commitment, really secluded from whatever else the mind would be doing. And then... We're relaxing that by realizing that I can maintain the seclusion and have an inclusive awareness. It doesn't have to be exclusive, right? So it's like, because the present moment, there's something in the very nature of the present moment that's inclusive. Like, just check this out now in your own experience, if you would. Like, when you tune in to the present moment, See, there aren't actual 
actual categories of experience in your present moment experience. There's just this. And we can, the mind, the thinking mind, can sort of discriminate between hearing and seeing and touching and mental activity and smells and tastes. But there's something very relaxed about realizing this is being known. It's really making the emphasis more on the space of the present moment in which all of this is coming and going. This being the sounds and the sights and the touches and the thoughts and emotions. So when we move to the third instruction, breathing in, experiencing the whole body, breathing out, experiencing the whole body, we're sort of just relaxing in the unity of the present moment. There's a great teaching instruction from Venerable Ajahn Sumedho, this senior monk in our tradition, where he's talking about the word ekagata, which usually gets translated as one-pointedness. Right? We that overemphasizes that idea of like really focusing in on one thing. But he says ekagata, this one-pointedness, it's the one point that includes everything. So what's the one point that includes everything? The present moment. Right? There's nothing except this, right? You get that? There's nothing else. It's just this. So this is a very inclusive point, the present moment. And we need to train the mind to know that inclusive flavor of the present moment. And that's what the third instruction is really about. And it comes in useful all the way along. Like this set of 16 instructions builds on itself. So don't be in a hurry. You know, I mean, we'll learn the whole map. But, uh, and, you know, we'll just do the best to learn it even before we're really ready to learn the whole map. We'll learn it. We'll get a, some intuitive and certainly some intellectual sense of the whole map of the 16 instructions. Because it, of course, takes us right to full, complete awakening. <laughs> so, it's a pretty high bar in a way and very real and ordinary in another way. Um, but we need to also respect the force of habit. So this experiencing the whole body is just sort of a training mechanism to realize the unity of the present moment. And see, that sets up the fourth instruction. We don't get the fourth without the third. We don't get the third without the second. And we don't get the second without the first. So they build on each other. And it's okay to be really interested and to really um, like curious about each of these fours. What is the Buddha, what is this instruction pointing to? What's the experience, not the idea, what's the experience that the Buddha is pointing to? And, and it really getting that experience, really knowing, being intimate with that experience, unlocks the possibility of getting the next experience and on from there. So then the fourth instruction is, again, all the other uh, instructions are going to begin with one trains oneself. At least I think that's true. I don't have all 16 with me tonight. Um, but certainly a number of them do. Most of them do. One trains oneself, breathing in, combing the bodily 
activity. One breathes out, calming the bodily activity. Now it's not so much that you are calming the body, bodily activity, as much as it is seeing the natural result of one, two, and three. One is that establishing mindfulness as the number one value in the moment. That's what we're doing. That's what the sit is about. The primacy, the importance, the beauty, the goodness of present moment awareness. And now acting on that value, I'm going to track the in and out breath with enough relaxation and uh, attentiveness, non-distractedness, so that I can actually, it's not a high bar to notice whether the breath is relatively long or short. It doesn't take a kind of, you know, digging in. It just, you just need to lean up against the experience and you'll be able to comprehend like, oh yeah, that breath was like that. This out breath is like this. This in breath is like this. And that builds that experience of seclusion. You really start to get an intuitive or direct taste of what it is. You could call seclusion like a synonym for that word would be non-distraction. Right? The mind not being distracted in its typical patterns of thinking about things. And so then the non-distraction then continues as the mind becomes the object, the present moment is more inclusive. Right? From just awareness of the breath, now whole body in a sense is in the forefront. The breath is still there, right? We're using it almost as a rhythm, you know, like those Viking ships or whatever those ships were where they had somebody drumming, you know. And it's sort of like the rhythm of breathing in and the rhythm of breathing out can act as a really beautiful cue. Oh, honey, remember, this is being known. Present moment is being known. Oh, honey, remember. Right? So each time we feel the breath coming in or the feel the breath going out, it's like, oh, honey, you have this opportunity to act on your valuing of, the, of mindfulness, to plant another seed or to strengthen mindfulness in one more moment, because that's how we, that's how we actually build habit. It's not just having the intention, whatever for whatever the habit is, to knit, or to you know, to tie your shoes tightly. You actually have to act on the intention. So you have the intention. Oh yeah, it's really important to tie my shoes tightly so they don't fall apart or the knot doesn't come undone. But then when you do it, when you have the intention and you then act on it, it sort of gets wired into the mind. So that's why the Buddha then has these, the first part of the, the step three and four, one trains oneself. Right? We have this intention to sense the whole body as we're breathing in, to sense the whole body and so then we do that. We are aware of the whole body as we're breathing in. There is an awareness of the whole body as we're breathing out. And the same thing then with the calming. We're noticing the calming effect. We can't do that, but we can notice the calming effect. 
So if you want to change that so you really don't try to calm as much as as you're breathing out, notice, even if it's quite faint, even if it's just in one place in the body, will you notice that some calming is taking place, some settling is taking place. Then notice that, oh yeah, calming, breathing in, oh yeah, calming. And it will naturally spread. That's part of what that inclusive point is about, is when you notice the calming one place, its tendency is to spread until the entire body starts to feel calm. That's when we've, you know, that's sort of the maturing of the first four instructions. The body feels good. doesn't mean we don't have aches and pains. What it means, because we're really training the mind, it's not about the body, it's not about the breath, it's about the mind. So what's really happening is the joy of seclusion is being mapped onto the body. That's really what happens. There is a kind of uh, inner joy, inner happiness that comes when the mind isn't involved in distractedness. Non-distraction has a feeling associated with it, right? It feels a certain way. It feels good in an inner sort of way as opposed to an outer happiness like when we get a nice massage or we feel a cool breeze. That's a pleasant outer experience, a sense experience. But this is an experience because of what's not there, right? What's not happening in the mind feels like this. The absence of indulging and reacting and thinking feels like this. It's not even that there aren't thoughts, but the thoughts have dissipated to some degree, right? And often then in this place, the thoughts are really about the practice at hand. Oh, honey, breathing in, be aware of the whole body, right? So thoughts that are in support of the continuity of present moment awareness, the inclusive whole body awareness, and the specific noticing of the spreading and deepening of calm the flavor of seclusion spreading, filling, seemingly filling the space of the body. And the way you know that it's, because you can still discern, like if your knee has a tendency to ache or you got that place in the back that hurts or whatever you might feel in your body, you'll see that it's still there. But what's really dominating, because one trains oneself, You've trained yourself to pay attention to the sense of calm spreading, filling the space of the body. It really matters what we pay attention to. And that's really important in these 16 instructions. This is different than open awareness practice. So (laughs) some of you may not like that, but it's a really important training to pick up for periods of time. Right? So if even though open awareness practice may be, and we'll get there pretty quick, even in this style of practice, um, like breathing in, aware of open awareness practice. <laughs> right? Because open awareness ex- practice doesn't exclude being aware of the breath coming in or breath going out. There's nothing about mindfulness of breathing that takes away from anything. Except that second step, 
where we're developing a very particular muscle to build some momentum of seclusion. Right? And then we're, that's the exclusive part of the practice. So as we build the continuity of mindful awareness, then in each of the 16 instructions, the Buddha is specifically asking us to notice something, to train your mind to notice something, because that, that's an intervention in how things unfold, what the mind chooses to be interested in. So the Buddha is, we've got a map, of what might be useful to be interested in each step along the way. So we're interested in the whole body. We're interested in calm. And then in a few weeks, we'll go to the next set of four, and it will be joy. That's the fifth instruction. Breathing in, experiencing joy. Breathing out, experiencing joy. But it's really frustrating to be looking for joy when we haven't done steps one through four, because there won't be the inner joy there. There will just be judgment. Why don't I get to experience inner joy? Well, there's a lawful, you know, those supportive, supporting reasons why joy arises in the heart and mind. And if the supports are there, there will be joy. And if the supports aren't there, there won't be joy. And then ease is the sixth. And then the quality of, of mental activity noticing the mental activity because now the mental activity is sort of chilled out and noticing mental activity without personalizing it quiets it so that's the next set of four experiencing joy with the in and out breath experiencing a more um, easeful inner happiness so joy is a more energetic happiness ease is a more quiet happiness the seventh is Noticing the activity of the mind. Now that there's a lot of ease, now you can actually notice thoughts and emotions coming and going without being seduced by them, right? Because things are pretty easeful. The ease is so strong, it kind of gives the mind immunity from being confused or seduced by thoughts. So we're just observing, and in observing thoughts, mental activity, in a sort of neutral way, it quiets down. And that's the eighth instruction. Breathing in, quieting the mind. Breathing out, quieting the mind. Okay? And you, you know, all 16 steps are there. So feel free to read ahead. Um, there's a lot of information in the three articles that will be in the email tomorrow to everybody. And um, Ajahn Tomatoes is more of an overview and kind of the flavor and basically telling you not to beat yourself up around the practice, because one of the downsides of having more specific meditation instructions, we have more specific ways to judge ourselves <laughs> and to get frustrated, you know, and like comparing mine. So do you think you know the first four? First one, studying, establishing mindfulness to the four. And take a little time, those of you especially who are devotional, like, but but have some of that faith energy, like, yeah, present moment awareness makes sense. I do value it. There's only one enemy in the system, right? Distractedness. Because when there's distractedness, we're like on autopilot. We're not that different than a robot. We're just doing what we've always done, getting what we've always gotten. There's no learning when we're distracted. 
right? So if you're interested in waking up, then you need learning, right? There needs to be this transformation. We're not going to wake up. We're not going to be, the heart's not going to be transformed if we're always doing what we've always done, getting what we've always gotten. So that's that first step. Second is that very specific training. Okay, you think you think you value mindfulness, but it's a little death. Remember I said that in the guided meditation? It's a little death. You've got to let go of everything your mind normally does and do this one thing. And here's a little mental exercise to see if you actually can act on your commitment to present moment awareness. As you're breathing in, notice whether that is long or short. As you're breathing out, notice the breath well enough, non-distracted enough, to notice whether it's a long or short breath. Or you could say smooth or rough. But see, it isn't about the breath. It's about whether there's enough presence, non-distractedness there. Whether you're really acting out your value to be present. Or whether you're still having thoughts about sensuality likes and dislikes, often in this case would be about our practice. The practice itself can just be another way of indulging in sensuality. Am I doing it right? Could I be, is she doing it better than me? Or is he doing it better than me? Or no, I'm pretty sure he's not doing it better than me. Look at how he moves, you know, or look how he checks his phone or whatever, you know. So it's, but that's all in that normal mode of the mind. And you'll see, you'll sense in the second step, when you get a few moments of continuity, you'll see it's radically simple. It's radically different than your normal way of being. Just being attentive to something the mind would normally not value enough to be attentive to. And the death is not doing what your mind normally does. The absence of that. And get interested in that. Even in hindsight, after a sit where you felt like you had moments of continuity, then just see if you can even viscerally remember what that felt like when you had a little continuity, a little momentum in the tracking of the present moment. Not too tight, not too loose, just leaning against that present moment, just here, hanging out in the present moment. You don't really need to do the awareness Nobody needs to do the knowing. Knowing just happens. Awareness is just there. That's why sometimes we use the statement, the space of awareness, to kind of get away from the idea of doing the awareing, doing the knowing, right? Like as if there's somebody doing the awareness or doing the knowing. No. It's more like a space. And when the breath arrives, shows up in that space, it's known. And we're learning to remember there is that space of awareness in which things are known. How do I know? Because I just noticed that breath coming in. I just noticed that breath going out. And then to sort of let the whole body, so it's more noticing and developing a taste for the unity, the inclusiveness of the present moment. Everything belongs. And we start by just whole body awareness. And this will be very useful throughout the day. Breathing in, aware of the whole body, breathing out that third instruction. Use any time you remember during the day, whatever you're doing, breathing in, sensitive to the whole body, taking a bath, turning the light on. doesn't matter what you're doing. 
because it will really help on so many just simple levels like dropping unnecessary tension in your body. But in these more profound training that we're doing, this path of liberation, it really helps, this tracking. And then the fourth, this is like the whole point of these first three is to realize this is a path of pleasure. This is not a torturous path. It has to be a path of pleasure as a counterbalance to the mind going into new territory. Our mind will not go into new territory, develop new understanding, because it's a little death, as I said. There's a a real letting go of the known in order to open to the unknown. But you know what allows that transformation to happen, that movement from the known to the unknown? Feeling really good. It's important to learn how to feel good in your practice. And this is that this the, this is just the beginning. This fourth instruction one trains oneself breathing in experiencing calm in the body. Breathing out experiencing calm in the body. That good feeling of seclusion. The steadiness of that, the wholeness of that the safety of that, really letting it in. You, you're basically using a pleasant object as your meditation object here. And as you do that, as you choose to be aware of that and not the painful sensations in the body, right? Which is like, that can be a habit in these insight meditation circles. Like, only look at the knots. Only look at the aches, the throbbing. No, so we're specifically noticing the pleasure of calm, the pleasure of calm. And joy blossoms from that space. And uh, inner, like, ah, where have you been, my darling? This inner happiness is both new and shocking in a way, but it also has flavors of like, I've been waiting for you for a long time. There's something also familiar about these, this sort of refinement of inner happiness, from calm to joy to ease to quiet, and basically from then on, just deeper and deeper experiences of quiet. And peace, the sort of nth degree of quiet, turns out to be the most refined and profound happiness. But you can check it out for yourself. So, um, what I'd recommend is memorize the four steps, get really fluent, read some of the comments about how different teachers interpret the four steps. But for the purposes of this course, you might want to just use mine, which are Venerable Analio, but also supported by a number of other teachers, but uh, more specifically using Venerable Analio's Um, interpretation of these 16 instructions of mindfulness of breathing. And then just work with them just so that we're in sync with each other. And then as you develop, I mean, some of you are quite far along, then, then feel free to just use all the instructions and to come up with your own understanding. That's ultimately where we're going. But it can get confusing. So if it's confusing, don't look at other people's interpretation. Just work. And you, this talk will be up 
on the internet soon on our webpage, the Buddhist Studies webpage, and then you can listen to this or on Dharma Seed, and you can listen to the guided meditation or this talk and the guided meditation next week. Somebody else will be doing it. And uh, yeah, and just develop the, just these first three. And you don't need to go beyond these first three or four instructions all the way through the course if you don't want. But you'll hear the others and that information will sit there on a shelf somewhere in your heart and then it will probably hopefully be useful down the road for you. So, But it's nice to get just even on an intellectual level the whole map. Because even as a conceptual map, it's quite beautiful. It makes so much sense, at least to me. You know, and then when your practice starts to line up with the map, you get a lot of confidence. Like, oh my God, our minds are really, on this deeper level, they're very much the same. And that someone somehow figured this out without having instructions is really cool, amazing. You know, and that how this person articulated it 2,600 years ago is still useful for us now. That's also very cool. So let's just take a few moments, like all the words. Thanks again for coming, everyone. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org dot org slash donate.